Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Bring us in, babe. Welcome to Coco Caliente. <laughs> what a mishap we had this morning. Yes, we did. Um, so I wake up and I get out of bed and I use the restroom and I flush what I think is normal and I, you know, I walk out, whatever. <laughs> and then Nicole comes in and she's like, is the water not running? And I was like, no shit, the water's not running. It's like, that's crazy right so and in none of the faucets like the the kitchen uh none of the bathroom the mm-hmm. the the what is it the bathtub no no water is working and our hot water or rather our heat runs off hot water so our heater's not working so it's cold in the house yeah we're like what the heck is going on here so we call uh nicole's dad who he's a dpw here and he like specializes in that stuff he knows these things he's like he's like i think you're he's like you gotta check where your water's coming into the house i think that's frozen mm-hmm. and uh we're freaking out because we don't want any bu- pipes to have busted yeah um, so we get a little space heater and this is the tiniest the do- thing. It was, it's the dog space heater that I recently put on my Instagram. <laughs> it's tiny. So yeah, she, we put that in there, we shut the door and we let it thaw out. Right. And I'm periodically walking by to check it. And then on one of my, you know, times to go mm-hmm. check it, I hear, I hear like a spraying noise. And at first I'm like, Oh, the hot water heat, you know, it's working. The hot water heater is running. Mm-hmm. And then I get closer and it sounds even more weird and I open the door and there's water everywhere. Yeah. So uh, the main, I don't even know what it's called, but the part where the water runs through where kind of like the meter, the inside meter of your house, that part had busted underneath. And so we had to cut off the water main. We had to get Dave out here to change it and fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, thank God, that, that, that was pretty much it. I mean, now the only thing that we're waiting on, because now all the hot water is running in the house and normal water, uh, the only thing is the toilet. I think that water comes from more underneath. I'm not sure, but... (laughs) I don't know. I think that's oh, the most the important one. Oh, the toilet's not flushing now still? No, the water is not coming into the toilet. So yeah, it wouldn't be flushing. So well, that's weird. I know. I know. I don't know what part that's from. Uh, probably mm-hmm. something is still frozen underneath somewhere because um, that water maybe comes in separate. Uh, I have no idea, but... Mm-hmm. Um, so it could have been much worse. We're so thankful it could have busted like while we were sleeping and the mm-hmm. whole house could have flooded or it could have busted in a week when, or no, a week, three weeks when we're in Florida for our wedding. Yeah. It could just have been a lot worse. So I'm just so grateful. Um, that's all it was. Oh my gosh. I just, I couldn't imagine just waking up in the middle of the night and having like, cause that, that bathroom where that, where that water main is mm-hmm. that comes into the house 
is right next to our bedroom. It's attached, right? It's that bathroom. So we would have just woken up to water in our bedroom, oh, essentially. Oh, and we have wood floors, so that would not have been good. That would have been so bad. So mm-hmm. thank, thank God, thank God Literally, that that yeah. wasn't the case. Switching topics really quick, the national days today. Okay. And I think one of you guys, or a lot of you guys, are going to appreciate one of these. So the first one is National <laughs> Battery Day. I don't have the backstory behind these, all right? This is National Battery Day. It's National Crab Stuff Flounder Day. What? That's the most random thing I've ever heard. But the most so important weird. one is National Drink Wine Day. Oh, it's <laughs> Wine Day. Oh, goodness. We're going to be seeing that everywhere on Instagram. Oh, yeah. So be prepared. If you're like, why is everybody posting about, oh, it's National Drink Wine Day. I'm drinking wine. Oh, by 10 a.m. I will see several wine posts. I'm not even, <laughs> I will know it's Drink Wine Day right when I wake up. Uh, but anyways, we have a, a really awesome guest today, um, Dr. Alfie. Uh, she's a pioneering psychologist with a passion for helping people of all backgrounds, especially youth and young adults to achieve optimal mental health. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have her on the podcast right now. Hope you enjoy. Hello, is this? Oh, <laughs> bless you, Nicole. Right as we're calling our guest, I'm sorry. <laughs> is uh, is this Doctor Alfie? Is that how you pronounce this your name? Is me. I don't want to. That's correct. That is correct. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. We're so excited to have you. Yes, and we are. I I will admit that my 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 guilty pleasure on this show is having professionals on, doctors especially like yourself. <laughs> so I am so excited. <laughs> Oh, my, it's my pleasure. It's, um, when my team told me, uh, I think, did I read correctly? You all, were you on the amazing race? Or, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We were. So my daughter is a fan. Aww. And so when I told her, she's like, oh my God, mom, <laughs> do you know who that is? And she like freaked out. So I'm just really, you, I, I appreciate you giving me cool points with my teenager. Hey, anytime, anything that we can do to help you out, we're, we're more than welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so doctor, is it okay if I call you doctor? Is that, is that the best yeah, way to address yeah, yeah, yeah. you? So for people that are listening now that may not know who you are, if you can just give us a brief explanation explanation uh how you i guess how you talk about yourself what 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 do you call yourself sure sure so thank you again for the invitation um my name's dr alfie breland noble because my last name is hyphenated in a mouthful and because (laughs) primarily (laughs) my focus is teenagers and young adults um and for full disclosure, you know, your your audience can't see me. Yeah. Um even though I know you have a huge audience, but I just want to share with people I'm a dark chocolate I call myself a dark chocolate girl. So as an African-American <laughs> woman, okay. um, I know I know it's true in other communities of color as well. Um, people tend to not want to call elders by their first name, or at least they're admonished not to. Okay. And so it's, it's, I go by Dr. Alfie, you know, for any number of reasons. But by training, I am a psychologist. I have four degrees. No one cares. It's not, you know, it's not even important. Um, but my passion is two things. My mental health nonprofit called the Acoma Project mm-hmm. um, and my research. So I'm an author. I do a lot of keynotes. I do some media um, and all that good stuff. But my focus is really how can we best support all teenagers, inclu- inclusive of gender, inclusive of sexual orientation, inclusive of race, culture, ethnicity, nationality, to make sure that they all have the greatest opportunity to achieve optimal mental health. That's my thing. Wow, that's Amazing. awesome. That yeah. that's a real hey uh, in four degrees, holy crap. No 
<laughs> no, no pun intended, but what a noble cause. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so tell me about yourself. So is this, did this come out of, uh, you wanting to do this now, did this come out from your childhood? Is this something that you always thought about growing up? Like how, how did you come to be, you know, who you are today, I guess? Yeah. So I always think about, I feel like for a lot of us, I don't believe in fatalism, but I do believe like in destiny. I'm one of those people. And so I do feel like I was really put on this earth to be a support to other young people because of the lack of support that I often felt outside my home. In my home, um, my mom's deceased, unfortunately, but in my home when I was a kid, um, I had a lot of love and like total unconditional support. Like I really felt like there were some glitches, of course, but Mm -hmm. I really felt like whatever I wanted to do. My parents, the people in my family, my dad is a Navy vet and all his buddies, he had a crew of buddies and they were all my uncles and they were all like all my cheerleaders. And so I had that. But once I left the house and got to school, I grew up in the same area as uh, the Neptunes, Pharrell and Chad Hugo. We're all same generation okay. and Timberland, Timothy Mosley. So we literally all grew up within like a 10 mile radius. Oh, of each wow. other. Yeah. And so Virginia Beach is a place called Virginia Beach, Virginia and Virginia Beach at the time was not very racially, ethnically diverse. Honestly, all we had was, if I'm honest, like the majority populations were black, white, and Filipino. And so high achieving black and Filipino kids in the schools, I went to public school. Uh I think the long, the short version of the story is we felt isolated and it was really hard to find our place. And I always felt like when I get older, I want to be a person who creates and holds space so that other kids don't have to feel like I felt when I was a kid. And it was really just a journey to figuring out what was going to be the best way to do that. I thought pediatrics, but then I thought, I'm not really focused on the physical health per se. Mm -hmm. It's more emotional and development. And that through a series of mentors, including my godmother, who has a doctorate in early childhood education from UMass Amherst. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, she pushed me in the right direction. Um, And then a mentor who's also deceased, unfortunately, his name is Dr. Gil Trackman, who is a Jewish, a white Jewish man. And I say that because I want young people to hear good people can come from any background. And if they're good people and want to help you, Mm -hmm. they will help you. And so be open to that. Um, And so because I had all those great people in my life, they really guided me in the right direction. And one other mentor who put me on a research path, passed away in August of 2019. He's a very, like a world well-known psychiatrist, Dr. Carl Bell. And and he was another person who was just like, Alfie, if this is what you want to do, help kids do research and outreach, go for it. And so that's what it was for me, just holding space for kids, creating space for young people and young adults um, so that they know that they are, I always say, seen, they're heard, and they're valued. That's really important to me. So that's how I, I came to this space. Absolutely. Is your when when your dad was in the Navy, did you guys move around a lot or did you guys stay mostly stateside? I'm just curious. Yeah, we stayed stateside. We didn't go overseas. We um and we didn't move that much. So Virginia Beach is next to Norfolk Naval Base, one of the larger naval bases. Uh, yeah, my dad was stationed there. I was I'm a Navy no. bre- I'm a Navy brat as well. Get out. <laughs> See all these connections. Yeah. So you know what that's like. So when yes. I was a little kid, we lived in uh, military housing. But then by the time I was probably like 10 or 11, we had moved to Virginia Beach. And, you know, I still felt a little bit of like that kind of nomad mm-hmm. sort of lifestyle, you know, because dad was not always physically there. Yep. You know, because he was Navy. Yep. Um, so anyway, you you know what I mean. But we did. We never lived overseas. 
Um, I kind of wish we had, but <laughs> no, we never did. It was just that, I don't know. It, it's just that I think there's something that is in your DNA when you're part of a military family that binds you to other people who also have that military connection. Because there's something, you know, that parent serving. Yep. That's yep. a big deal. Like worrying about them and stuff. That's just, that's, that's a big deal. That that was for me when we, because we did the overseas thing. We were overseas, ooh, I think, majority of my dad's uh, career, I would say. And we spent like five okay. years in uh, two different uh, naval bases in Italy. Um, wow. but being overseas, uh, the, the military in and of itself, especially when you get into enlisted is very diverse. Yes. Um, and so, Super. yeah. And so when we were going to school, it, it was actually pretty cool because you got to mingle with everybody and we're all there for yep. the main, you know, the main cause. Right. So, yep. uh, I really enjoyed that. And then when I came back stateside, and I went back to public school in like Louisiana yep. and New Orleans. I was like, "Oh yep. my God, what is this?" Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, it was literally it's black, white, and like Creole. Like it's sort of like yeah. all you had. Yeah. I would imagine. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I definitely understand uh, what you're talking about when it comes to that. I mean, and then even uh, me as growing up. So I'm I'm Puerto Rican. Like my family's okay. Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican, ah, don't uh, Espanol. Me Espanol is somehow, so if you say anything else, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I understood that, so that's good. <laughs> um, and then so growing up, I guess, uh, around the world being Puerto Rican, but then after Hurricane Katrina, I went to Puerto Rico. Uh, that's where I had to live uh, for a year. They called me the white guy. In Puerto yep. Rico, but then back yep. stateside, they called me the Puerto yep. Rican, so I didn't really right. fit in with either group. You know what I mean? Yep. I totally look. I'm telling you, I know it's not the same because I'm, you know, I'm African American, mm-hmm. but there's something about feeling like that outsider, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was speaking to. And I think for for me, it was a combination of ethnicity, socioeconomic status. Um, we weren't rich, but you know, we certainly had. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything we we needed. So. Yeah. Race, ethnicity, and then being a high-achieving kid of color, right? So I would imagine for you being in Italy and getting the kind of education that you were getting mm-hmm. and then coming back stateside. Not that U.S. education is bad, per se. It's just that you're exposed yeah. to much different things yes. outside the U.S. And yeah. so for, you know, and I was, I'm a public school brat, too. And so that was the isolation. It was there were literally like eight or nine of us kids of color in AP and advanced classes. So you always felt like you were on this island. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, and I like surfing. I hate to say it. I'm not a strong swimmer, but I love surfing. And I love U2. That's one of my favorite bands in the world. So I'm Gen X. And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that was tough. Mm-hmm. That was tough. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Kitty Poo Club. Working from home means more time for your morning coffee and an occasional afternoon nap. And of course, the opportunity for your furry feline friend to walk across the keyboard in the middle of your Zoom call. <laughs> you love having your cat around, but you don't love being around the litter box. Kitty Poo Club is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient for you. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. When the month is up, just recycle the box and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. No changing used litter and no more cleaning the box. The boxes are leak-proof, eco-friendly, and have a fun design for every season. And Kitty Poo Club has a no-risk guarantee so you can easily customize or cancel anytime. 
So give yourself the gift that keeps on giving the whole year, a Kitty Poo Club subscription. Right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up auto ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code COCO. Just go to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code COCO to get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's kittypooclub.com. And don't forget to enter promo code COCO at checkout. So what do you see now mostly, you know, in your research and, and uh, in your uh, in your project that you're doing? Is it Acoma, yeah. right? Yep, Acoma. You got it. Um, what, what do you see the most uh, with the kids that you work with right now? I think uh, the pandemic has really put a lot, especially kids of color or, or any marginalized kids. So I try to be real open about speaking directly to and naming Um, kids with disabilities who are also of color, kids who are queer, LGBTQ, who are also of color. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, all of these kids, what I see is these really significant negative impacts of the isolation that they're going through because they're not physically in school. And as a parent of two teenagers, you know, I'm like, like, it's sort of weighing what's more important, their Mm -hmm. physical health or their mental health, both are critically important. But I think what I see is the mental health of our young people is suffering because they're, so many of them are losing the physical connection and contact to their peers. And so I think that's leading to and contributing to depression, anxiety, um, and some kids who are traumatized because they're aspects of their identity that other people in their lives marginalize. So you think about young people who may have been fully out and free in college about their sexual identity, and now they're back at home, okay. um, right? And they're may, maybe they're in families where who are not accepting, who are transphobic, homophobic, um, and the like. And so that's a lot of what I'm seeing. And, and the other big thing is coping skills. Like a lot of our young people, some do have coping skills, but a lot don't. And mm-hmm. so the, this depression and anxiety, I feel like for many of them, it started off as extreme stress. And then that stress wasn't treated or addressed or nobody knew you know, how to help the kid or they didn't understand what was going on for the young person. And it sort of devolved into or degraded into depressive illness, you know, uh, exacerbated anxiety. Um, and some, like I said, some of the kids are dealing with the after effects of uh, trauma, either past trauma that's reemerging or they're in settings now where they're being traumatized, even if it's not physically, emotionally, because trauma is trauma. There's no trauma Olympics. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm seeing is, is the kids struggling with some of these major mental health concerns. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I I think about that a lot, especially I work in law enforcement. And so I think about the kids that are maybe in a physically abusive home that getting to school is a way to get away. And now they're, they're stuck there. Um, and even, or even something as simple as like you said, their, uh, socioeconomic status to where major meals of the day for them are at school and they're now, they're not getting those. Um, and like you said, all that adds up to a bunch of trauma, uh, that may or may not go, you know, uh, taken care of. That's right. So how do you go about treating or helping these kids? How do you get them help? Yeah, so a couple things. I, at the Acoma Project, like we really try to focus on the reality of the lived experience of kids of color, right? And so what does that mean? That means that for many of our communities, like I heard you just you know, identify yourself as Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. We know in Puerto Rican and Black and many other communities of color, going to a mental health professional 
not happening. Yeah. Yep. Right. We're not doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not to say that no, none, no people in our communities do it or Asian or native or Arab Mina or other communities of color. It's not to say that nobody does. It's to say that a lot of us don't. So yeah. We just have to be honest about that reality. And so at Acoma, we're really about three things. We're about raising consciousness to help people understand and normalize conversations around mental health. We're about empowering people so that if no, if the child never gets in front of a psychologist or a counselor or a clinical social worker or a psychiatrist or, you know, anybody like that, they have a tool or some tools to take care of themselves. And then we're about improving the system. So just going back to what you said about the kid being in law enforcement and children who are at home mm-hmm. who don't have protections, yep. right? How do we train law enforcement and other people who are really our frontline workers in these instances to be proactive? Like what kinds of things can we do, right? If, if, if a, for example, a child has been identified while we were in school as, you know, potentially in a, in a threatening situation at home, how do we insti- or how do we initiate home checks? Right. Yeah. Socially distant home checks to ensure like just so that somebody knows there's some eyeballs on you. So even mm-hmm. though the kid's not coming to school. Right. So we try to do support things like that. So in terms of improving the system, a coma project, we have a, a team of subject matter experts who does training, um, helping people. That's not a big part of what we do, but that's a part. Yeah. Along with the research that we do in general around identifying signs and symptoms in kids and how do we make good mechanisms to get kids into care? Like, what can we do to get that kid from being identified to some good, healthy mental health support? We empower people with outreach. I do a lot on social media, um, on my IGTV. I do weekly, I call them mental health mantras for marginalized people. It took me forever to come up with that. So everybody go watch it, right? And it's literally like a 15 second reel where I just teach people like things to empower themselves around all aspects of their, their identity. So that's just an example. You know, you come watch IGTV, a reel for 15 seconds, you save it. And now you have like just a little tool to support you a little bit and to let you know that somebody cares. And then in terms of raising consciousness, a lot of that is outreach events. I have to share this one cool one that's coming up. Lexi Underwood, who is the actress that played Pearl on Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And is getting ready to do a big Disney movie and a bunch of other things. Um, She's doing an event with us. It's virtual. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that we do. Well, that's like that. cool. That yeah. that's amazing. And and I do agree with you like when, you know, in my job we do get, you know, that call a suicidal subject, you know, yes. or something like that. Or yes. uh a kid that has been, you know, he disclosed something at school, the mandated yes. reporter made a report and now we got to go out with CPS to this call. That's right. You know, there's only certain stuff that law enforcement us can do if we're going by ourselves to a suicidal call cuz I I I'm only trained so much to talk to the person. Um, and maybe get them to go to the hospital. And then from there, the hospital takes it over. But then if they don't get any help after they go to the hospital, we're kind of back to square one a few weeks later, you know? That's right. Um, and, and that's tough for us, right? Because it's like, what, what do we do? Right. Um, and same with like, if we're going to a household, it's like, yeah, we're checking up on that kid, but unless something in and of itself criminal is happening, we're, we're right. at the mercy of CPS and, you know, they do a good job and they do as best they can, but there's probably more that can be done. Right. I, I agree. I agree. So some of the ways I think you're right. And I think what I always try to come back to is we can only fix the portion 
that is it is tasked to us or is assigned yes, to us. Because exactly. if I try to think about how big it all is, oh. I just get over, you know, you yeah. get overwhelmed. You don't want to do anything. It's like, well, I can't help. And I think what you're describing, little things that are sort of baby steps, like suicide intervention training. We used to call it SIT training for law enforcement. And I know mm-hmm. many folks in law enforcement around the country have done it. I have a, a girlfriend whose child died by suicide about 18 years ago. She literally trained herself and she does these kinds of trainings. Okay. Um, yeah. So those kinds of things. Uh, I just read something about a lot of uh, uh, counties in the U. I know out in Washington state, King County, I think it is Seattle. They're equipping um, police officers to partner them with social workers or other mental health professionals. So they go out together and do these checks. So it's less like a law enforcement type of visit. Mm-hmm. And it's more like, a, you know what I mean? Like a mental mm-hmm. health wellness check, which is critical for communities of color specifically because of the really fraught relationship between law enforcement. Absolutely. And, yep. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. trying to be creative in those ways, but you're right. It's, it's tough. You, and you do end up back at square one. Yeah. Often. And that, and that's the most frustrating part because you want to get somebody help, but then you just see this cycle and you're just like, I, yep. you know, th- there's only so much we have in our toolkit, right? Uh, before right. you're overstepping your boundaries, you know, so that's right. it, it becomes a little bit difficult. Um, so, and I had a question for you because I, I ask as many times as I can with a professional about okay. social media, right? <laughs> what is what is your take in the correlation between mental health and like social media usage? Yes. So, like everything, I say the same thing: you use it, you do not allow it to use you, mm-hmm. and that's with. Anything, right? So if you, well, we're not going to talk about alcohol because I don't want any kids, no drinking alcohol, yeah. but even though I know some <laughs> of them do, right? But I try to, I try, maybe let's say like shopping, over shopping. Uh-huh. Like we'll use that as an analogy. It's like if you like to get on, like I'm thinking about my 16 year old, get online and, and scroll like designer clothes. Okay, that's fine. But if you're online scrolling designer clothes and going in, racking up thousands of dollars of debt, okay, now that's using you. And it's the same thing with social media. So I think, the reality is social media is here to stay. Our young people are on it. I read a, a study recently that said upwards of 85%, I think it might have been actually 88, of all teenagers in the U.S. use the Internet and social media daily. Ugh. That's like almost all of them. And we're talking about millions of kids. And so they're <laughs> wow. on it. I think it's the key is teaching young people how to use it effectively because I have seen how it's used for good. Mm -hmm. So I say things like curate your news. Like you can't sit and be on the CNN app all day because there's too many images coming at you that you need. You may not be equipped to process because it's so much. Yeah. Um, So go watch Snapchat. NBC used to have this little thing, like a three minute, all the headlines. That's enough. That's all you need once a day. Mm -hmm. Or I'll tell young people, only follow accounts that make you feel good when you're scrolling, right? Instagram is the biggie. I'm still, I still haven't figured out Snapchat. I'm too old. Um, But (laughs) You know, when you're scrolling uh, IG, if you feel bad as you're scrolling, you need to pay attention to the accounts that are making you feel bad mm-hmm. and, and, and unfollow them or mute them. So I think there definitely is a correlation between, you know, there's this old saying when you're on social media, you're looking at everybody else's highlights. Yeah. You're not looking at their real life. And it's continually reinforcing that message for young people and then giving them tools to help them. So I'll tell you one tool that I love. After I watched the social dilemma and it completely oh, freaked me out great, forever and ever. Such a great documentary. Great? Oh my gosh. It scared Scary. the mess out of me. <laughs> oh my God. So I got that moment app. 
and I like it just popped up for me right before you and I we all started talking to remind me time to get off stuff like that. So what? Important. So what is so? Uh, remind me of the app because I, I, I saw the documentary and it's been it's been several months since I seen it. So yeah. the Moment app, what is that? Basically, the Moment app. I think what they're getting at is they try to use principles of cognitive behavioral therapy, right? So it's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. That's literally all CBT is. So you want to impress somebody next time they say, "Ah, oh, blah blah blah," CBT. You can say, oh, yeah, you mean that stuff where you talk about thoughts, feelings, and behaviors? That's literally all CBT is. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the free lesson for the day. And so it uses these principles to teach you how to monitor and then actively work on reducing your social media use. That's, that's what the Moment app is. So it sends you reminders. You do have to turn on reminders for the app. But it teaches you, I'm teaching you this one thing that I, it has been life-changing for me. One, changing your screen from color to black and white, grayscale. Huh. It reduces how much you pick up your phone because the colors on your phone attract you. Are used- yes, that's one. And then the second cool one is um, it sends you, it tells you to turn off all reminders for every app that you have. Turn them all off. Because think about it, ping, 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 ping. Yeah. Every time it pings, where does your attention go? And it's designed to suck you in. Um so that's what the app does. And then it says, go meditate, go for a walk. You know what I mean? Sit down and breathe. Like it literally sends you those kinds of reminders to bring you out of the stupor of being stuck on social media. And give yourself a moment, I guess. That, that, yes. that makes sense. Uh, and also, I guess my other thing was there has to be – so one of the things that I like to do randomly, uh, <laughs> I'll get on TikTok, right? And they have this yeah. like uh, – they'll have like – High school class of uh, 80, whatever, right? Right. And when you look at that video, everybody is so happy. There's no phones. They have to communicate (laughs) or play jokes with each other. They're laying, you know, in a field. Everybody's just sitting in a circle, just talking, and nobody's on a phone because they don't exist. Um, What is the effect of minimizing the interactions we have with people? even when we are with people, you know what I mean? Like having your phone uh, yep. when you're at a restaurant opposed to just having open dialogue or yep. the life revolving around, like how, how does that affect us long-term? Oh goodness. In so many ways, such a, it's such a brilliant question because what it does is it, it stops and slows our ability for certain developmental processes. One developmental process is learning how to deal with conflict Mm-hmm. If everything is handled through your phone, think about it. And you can have a little spat and you're texting. Texting someone is very different than looking someone in the face and saying, I disagree with you. Yeah. And I think regardless of your politics, all you have to do is look at the national conversation of the last eight to 10 years. Yeah. People have almost no ability to amiably disagree. Nobody's saying that you have to like agree with each other, but there's a way to have an argument that I think we have lost because people can hide behind their phones. That's one. Two is I don't think people, I think the other thing that it does to us is it prevents us from understanding what healthy connection feels like Mm -hmm. because connection gets tied to your phone, right? So let me give you a real, like, this is a really stupid example, but it's true. I have a crew of like four girls. It's like, we've been friends since they've been friends since elementary. I've been friends with them since middle school. So like six years, I mean, sixth grade. And one of the girls does not have an iPhone. 
and we all get this. And she knows who she is. Because the, mess- the messages is green. Exactly. <laughs> and she messes up the flow. Right? So it's like that literally there are times when I get so annoyed because I can't send a meme because she doesn't have an iPhone and it won't work on her phone. It's that kind of like, what is that to get mad about? That's so dumb. But it's just like. Well, I, think that's I know exactly what, what you're does. talking about because that's where you're like, what weirdo in this group doesn't have an iPhone? <laughs> exactly. And you're like really annoyed. It's like, what the? You can't send your confetti and all that kind of right? So it's that kind of stuff. It sort of reconfigures your perception of reality. Who cares if her phone is different, mm-hmm. right? It, you know, if, if we were honest, my phone's different from hers. It goes two ways. It's not just one way. And so I think that's what it does. It warps. That's a really crude way of saying it often warps our perception of reality. Because when you have a um, code for in real life, IRL, it's kind of like, wait, what? That should not be a thing that you text. It should just like in real life is reality. <laughs> like the, the media, social media world, that's not the real world. And so I think it just sort of distorts our ability to have healthy connection and to set healthy like boundaries and standards for us ourselves. And I, I, I totally agree. Um, and I got one more question about that conflict thing, right? Cause sure. this is, this is important, especially with our day and age is the cancel culture, right? Yep. Is, is, do you think that just stemmed out of social media because you can't, there are lack of it. So I guess my, now let me rephrase this. I believe educating somebody is different than canceling them and ruining their life, right? 100%. Letting them know what they did was wrong and educating them on what they did was right and not trying to destroy their future in this world, essentially. Yes, exactly. I agree that cancel culture doesn't help people. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's there's two big things to that for me. One of them is that hiding behind a screen allows you or gives people the freedom to say things that they would never, well, with exception of the last four years, they would have <laughs> never, right? Yeah. In, you think about it, yep. said in person. So there's this arc where people get desensitized, 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 and then you get somebody stand up making fun of people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. He's just joking. No, that's a big deal. So that's one piece is that the hiding, the, the cover that it allows you. So you can cancel people, air quotes, right? That's yeah. one. Yeah. The second piece is, I think that, and this is to me as a woman of color, this is a bigger piece. Mm-hmm. For marginalized communities, I don't care what your point of marginalization is, whatever, inclusive of all of these, there are there has been so much time where people had no voice. Yeah. There was no way they could express their frustrations or the challenges that they were facing, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you have with cancel culture, because we have social media and, and all, you have people who now have the ability to voice their concerns. And I think that bothers some other people because there are people who don't have marginalized identities for the most part, right? They're, yeah. they're pretty privileged, who are not used to other people saying, I don't like something that you're doing. So I think is the the tension between those two. A lot of people don't want to be corrected, right? There's this yeah. thing I taught me a long time ago, and I've always loved it. If you have privilege, equity feels like oppression because other people having access to what you have access to feels like something is being taken away from you. Okay. So I think, you know what I mean? Yep. I think there's, but you're right. Canceling people. 
they don't learn anything. But at the same time, remember, there's some people who have no interest in learning. Yes. They don't care. The, yeah. <laughs> ignorance. Ignorance. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So you think that just all that together creates this powder keg. So then it, it all just erupts and becomes something that it wasn't even in the beginning. 100%. Absolutely. So you and you talk about all this, all these different topics. You have a podcast, right? Yes, I do. Thank you for asking. It's called Couched in Color. Um, and we drop every Thursday. I'm going to have y'all on there. And we, so I'm <laughs> like putting a little subtle hint in the universe. So yeah, I'm sending an invitation. And awesome. it's live, so right? People are hearing it, so I gotta, you got to do it now. So. Absolutely, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But it really is just my way of, um, I love podcasting because it gives so many people a voice, I think, who may not have had a voice before. And mm-hmm. um, the big thing with ours is bringing all kinds of people on. Like I've had people of, Many different ethnicities, racial groups, nationalities, sexual orientation, you know, gender identity. Because what I want young people to see is that there's something that we all have in common, which is our humanity. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And number two, we're all in some way managing or not managing or dealing with or not dealing with aspects of our mental health. And so I want young people to hear you know, and the whole conversation is not a, just about mental health. That's a piece of it. Yeah. But I just love the visual. So we're audio and visual. And, oh, and that's cool. what we do. We talk about mental health and we talk about, you know, what's going on in folks' lives, what projects they have coming up. We have influencers, like famous people like y'all. Like, you know. <laughs> we're, we're not famous. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's what you say. Mental health professionals. Like, we have all those kinds of folks on. Yeah. So I love it. It's, it's Amazing. so much fun. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy that you have that. I, I would love to be on. That, that sounds so Yay. great. Where where can people uh, find you aside from your podcast? Uh, like sure. your socials. So two, two main places. I'm on all social media at Couched in Color Pod. That's all one word. Um, on Twitter, you leave off the pod. It's just Couched in Color because not enough characters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a Coma Project, which is two A's, K-O-M-A, A Coma Project one word, all social media. And then the easiest thing is probably both of my websites, Doctor, so they're easy, dralfie.com and acomaproject.org. So if you go either one of those, it'll take you to all my social media because you know I have those links yep. to my socials. So that's where people can find me. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for yes. joining us today. I loved I loved the conversation, loved the insight, uh, learning so much. Yes. <laughs> so thank so Thank you. you. Me too. Thank you for having me and y'all take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. What a great conversation it was with Dr. Alfie. I like, I like saying her last name or <laughs> rather her first name. Yeah. I, I like saying her first name. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like hearing it. <laughs> Makes me happy. Well, I hope you guys learned something because I sure did. Me too. And these are my favorite, con- I'm not going to lie. These literally are my favorite conversations to have. So I, I, I really like that we had her on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you guys so, so much. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. The easiest way is? On Apple Podcasts, a little purple app on your phone. Absolutely. Or you can go to Apple Podcasts uh, online. So it doesn't have to be on your phone oh. and that works too. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that you knew now you know (laughs) and tell your friends they can uh, listen to this anywhere they listen to the podcast which is on spotify stitcher google play or you can go to www.cococalientepodcast.com and you can listen there and also 
check out our merchandise. Yes, because we got new merchandise and it is awesome. Don't forget to... And it, and it donates to um, animal shelters and animal rescue. So yeah, it's awesome. There you go. And don't forget to follow us at... Coco Caliente Pod on Twitter and Coco Caliente Podcast on Instagram. You killed it, babe. Thank, Thank you, guys. <laughs> if you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.